Good evening and welcome to Early Late Nights, the Explosion Network's esports news show. I'm your host, Kieran March, and I come to you every Tuesday and most Friday nights, 6.30pm Australian Eastern Daylight Time, to give you the latest esports news, updates, and all those juicy, juicy pieces of information and gossips from around the esports world. Hope you've had a fantastic week. It's been a week. It's been a whole week since the last episode. Had uh, Friday, you know, Thursday, Friday, top migraine. Had a toppity, tippity top migraine um, that kind of rolled me out of action for a couple of days. So it was no show, but fuck, did I take like the worst week possible to take some time off? Like, I chose the worst week possible. So tonight's show is action packed. Probably going to take longer than a normal half an hour. Um, when will I wear the Sonic Fox suit? I need to order myself one. But I don't think I can wear a Sonic Fox. I think I need a giant penguin. I need a penguin suit for my man Bevan over there. Just a penguin suit. Um, just to rock it out. Hope you've had a fantastic week. Hope you had some good esports. Hope you had some good games. I've been having some fun. Uh, if you're playing any of that or getting into the new Smash Brothers. Uh, I picked up Smash uh, Sunday. I picked up Smash. Played it a little bit. I haven't put heaps of time into it. I've been playing World of Light. I really like it. I'm enjoying the game. I haven't tried any of the online services yet, but... Um, the actual mechanics and the fighting of the game is really good. I'm excited to see uh, how this is picked up within the esports scene of the Smash Brothers community. Um, as we all know, Melee is a staple within the Smash Brothers community. It has been for years. Um, the Wii U piece of fish of crap, whatever. Um, that version of the game has been featured quite heavily in esports. So I'm interested to see if those players transfer over, if they find themselves playing Super Smash Bros. Ultimate in the esports scenes, or if it dies off and continues in its current state. I'd like to think it does pick up with the current roster of stars, with the addition of stars being added and the current stars, you know, the DLC characters that have been announced fucking awesome so um we'll dive into that the dota 2 pro league for the convictus esports um organization happened over the weekend it was a really fantastic esport it was really great to see um teams like mineski and of course team og the previous winners of the international eight in melbourne as well as members of the dota 2 talent scene um with gods casting seraxia selects as a stage host Basekip was on the desk as well. It was a really good event. Um, it was probably really poor as maybe the first major, um, the first major Dota 2 event really to be broadcasted. Beyond the Summit did host like the event for the stream, um, and the stream quality of all the parts of the stream I was able to watch was quite poor, which led to many jokes in the chat from around the world about Australia's crappy internet, or the fact that it says it's streaming in 1080p, it looks like it's like 480, maybe 320. Ugh, it was kind of bad, but it was okay. This isn't the greatest look, but overall, it's pretty great. Continuing with Dota 2 news, I spoke about last week with the up-and-coming major in the Dota 2 scene. There was the controversy about the um, Thai player um, Cuckoo. And sadly, it's not been the greatest news. Um, Valve has stepped in and banned his attendance to the up-and-coming event. Um, the TNC Forever team are going to work towards getting a replacement, still playing in the event. Overall, I'm not too happy. I wasn't too pleased when I read Valve's statement on it because mo mostly it was that Valve weren't happy that TNC hadn't put the appropriate uh, 
punishment or the ban in place. TNC didn't help themselves by trying to cover up for their player, trying to move things around and not being honest as an organization. But at the same time, he did get a large portion of his previous purse from the previous major, as well as half of the up-and-coming purse, you know, kind of deducted from his wage. Um, it wasn't the greatest thing. China, Valve's deal with China obviously has to have some kind of involvement, but hey, who who do we know about that anyway? Um, esports were in quite high volume, and I'm going to talk about the main esports section uh, later in the show, but at the Video Game Awards this year, we had some fantastic announcements, and the esports in general played really well, um, with games like Fortnite and Overwatch winning out in different event in different categories. Um, it was fantastic to see them awarded with that. Fortnite is that interesting one. I think many of us were expecting Fortnite to kind of clean sweep a lot of things, but even though it's not the greatest or the most optimized eSport currently. Um, it, it did well still, but I think there were still opportunities with Overwatch winning the ongoing um, eSport award, which is fantastic, or best eSport, I think it was. It was pretty good. It was pretty great. And also last week, um, I w missed this completely, and we were talking about it in the previous, about possibilities of the upcoming changes for Counter-Strike. It was announced that Counter-Strike Global Offensives has gone free-to-play. That means you can go on Steam right now, jump on, and download the entire game for free. Um, this is it's quite interesting with the ongoing support of Counter-Strike. As we've said, there hasn't been a new operation in about a year now, um, or over a year even, with the last operation being Operation Medusa. Now, we do have this coming into the game. The esports scene for Counter-Strike is amazing. It is really well put together. Um, but to have it go free to play, as well as a Battle Royale mode put together for the event. We're going to test out the Battle Royale mode and get back to you on that one. It is an 18-player Battle Royale. It's not the typical 100-person uh, Battle Royale. So there will be some differences. I'm sure the mechanics are going to play into it with typical Counter-Strike features. But... I'm interested. Free-to-play's already been a problem, as I was discussing with a ongoing Counter-Strike player recently. Boosting and Smurf accounts and alt accounts were already a problem with the normal Counter-Strike, with the amount of times the game was going on sale for $10, um, or the, you know, just the general purchasing of the game. Now we have the game going free-to-play. We'll have to see what measures that Valve puts in place to further stop Smurfing and just... The ongoing interest they do already have dota 2 dota 2 already is the free-to-play kind of market or the uh, overall standard for valve's free-to-play market so we'll see how they use that with the ongoing systems in counter-strike go um but enough of all that let's go down into the main topics of tonight tonight i'm going to be talking about counter-strike's number one team in the world australis with their achievement at the recent ESL Pro League Finals. We're going to be discussing the one and only Sonic Fox with his award speech at the Video Game Awards and what that means for esports. Overwatch League Season 2 had a preview event with Watchpoint recently streamed where they released the first two days worth of matches as well as going through all the rosters for the new teams as well as the current teams with any changes. It was a very interesting stream so I'm going to go over some of my highlights from it, talk about the season as well as some surprises that are being hinted for this season of Overwatch League and we're going to be finishing up with South Korea 
continuing to be the progressive progressive behemoth they are in esports with a law they've recently made for the benefit of esports and the esports community we're going to dive into that at the end of the show but let's you know let's not waste any more time let's get right into it with our first story of the night australis has rocketed itself to being one of the number one counter-strike teams in the world the european squad started the year pretty pretty shamefully um, with an uncharacteristically bad performance earlier in the year in early january the team looked like they weren't really playing on the same page that they were having some communication issues but this was quickly cleared up with them going on to take several championships throughout the year this took them to go on to the esl pro league last week and now Counter-Strike is a overall scene that maybe isn't as developed as some of the other esports scenes from across the world or across the current climate of the games. Um, Counter-Strike isn't really still not the best supported game. The overall, the rosters aren't getting good salaries. They're not getting um, decent contracts for the players, which has been put in place in other games such as Overwatch League and League of Legends. So to see Australis rise up and combat this has been fantastic for them they played in the esl pro league grand finals to play for a chance to win a million dollars which overall in esports is not a big prize pool but in counter-strike that is a very large sum of money um, that will surely help support the players in the coming year especially um, but we we saw australis take on team liquid both teams look fantastic going into the event both holding strong in their own qualifying rounds to get to the grand final now we have this coming through with this now featured as the grand final itself and many thought team liquid could pull it out but a good heavy crowd favorite was australis um the australian the australian the european even though they call australis it's really confusing from europe australis the european giant um came to the event looking very strong and came into the finals looking particularly strong didn't look so great in the first round or the first map where team liquid took them down in quite an interesting fashion but it would then proceed to win the next four games um pretty convincingly and pretty quickly each time now it's really good to see this underdog story. Uh, esports in general, as many players will know, esports are generally a grind. It's about putting in that time, putting in that effort to continue to progress and to continue to grow as a player to, you know, work up the system, the competitive systems of each game, make yourself noticed, get asked to hopefully be trialing for a top team in the tiers, in tier 3 to tier 2 to tier 1, um, and then hopefully getting yourself a, if that's what you wish, a um paying part of the scene which is fantastic to do now it's excellent to see the grind that australis has put in place with that poor start to the year um australis has set itself up for a fantastic 2019 for many people in across the in across the industry not the greatest phrasing kieran you should keep moving um is gonna put itself in a place to become a very well-known organization this will help in other esports with them growing rosters continually across the board as well as finding that 
you know, in within the Counter-Strike region, they're going to be, you know, continuing to grow, getting that uh, notoriety as organizations such as Cloud9 and Fnatic. Cloud9 did just recently win the uh, v uh, Video Game Awards Organization of the Year or Esports Team of the Year. Um, and this is interesting because I guess Cloud9 haven't had the greatest of seasons across any of their um, major, except for, no, they don't even have a Dota 2, I'm thinking of Team Liquid, but across the board, so it's more the notoriety of Cloud9, that people know Cloud9, they have a large spread, a large collection of people, in various games, like in Overwatch, there is C9, um, is a regular term used in the game because of an event or an issue that happened for the Cloud9 roster in Overwatch, now, they are synonymous, and this gives Australis the chance to become synonymous with Counter-Strike and become synonymous with the esports scene and hopefully grow themselves and to continue to increase their reach and their presence. Now, Counter-Strike itself with the free-to-play model, it's not the greatest of change coming up. I think with it, there's going to be more eyes on Counter-Strike, there'll be more people playing Counter-Strike, but will it lead to more support and more opportunities for Counter-Strike Esports players? Will there be more support from Valve? Will there be more crowdfunding events for their tournaments? Overall, Counter-Strike does run regular tournaments for decent prize pools, but compared to the other prize pools across Esports, it's not the greatest considering, but it's very odd considering Counter-Strike is maybe the go-to for Esports overall. It's only a matter of time before we see if teams decide to turn their attention to other games or continue to support Counter-Strike in the coming times. But what we do know is Australis is going to be a name connected with Counter-Strike and esports for the coming years. And I'm excited to see what they can do. They're a fantastic European squad. Um, they represent their region really well as well as being good role models for players wanting to continue their path in the future. But... Speaking of role models, the Video Game Awards had many moments that, you know, video games and gamers across appreciated. One of these were a very special moment for the esports scene, where from the uh, Best Esports Player Award coming forward, Sonic Fox, a very well-known Dragon Ball Z Fighters, or Dragon Ball Fighters Z, player and Injustice 2 player took out the award himself which was a fantastic achievement for the player but also it went on to be a very special moment for the esports scene. Sonic Fox continued throughout the his speech um, being a very down-to-earth and likable person. I don't think I think it was the most real speech of the night and maybe the most real speech of many esports or, or many gaming awards or award shows in general. He was freaking out. He he had just he was over the moon with it happening. Sonic Fox is known to be a very down-to-earth player. He's not in it for the fame or the money. He has previously been donating to um, his friends' health concerns for their father, and he just demonstrated a really down-to-earth face for esports and. You know, this this is fantastic because esports in general is seen as a very um, almost closeted, I'm going to use that word, closeted group or community because it's most, it's the players that take the games most seriously, that they put the most time into it. Esports players can be put into the light of oh, all they do is sit in the darkness and play these games.
when this isn't the case. Um, they they get put in this light of being poor role models, and now Sonic Fox stands up, and throughout his speech, talks down to earth, talks in such a down to earth way that people outside the esports scene can connect to him. Yes, people may say his speech itself was very controversial. There were political undertones to the speech. Um, he has gone on to have some very great Twitter wars with people since the speech after very much upsetting the Republican side of America. But what Sonic Foss has done is he has humanized esports in a way that I don't think has been done in the past. There has been different moments of the Video Game Awards where people have gone the extra mile with game with somebody like Greg Miller's speech for winning Trending Gamer, resonating with people and really making an impact on how they view game developers. Now, Sonic Fox has done this with uh, a down-to-earth and an almost lovable characteristic to himself that is absolutely fantastic. I really enjoyed his speech. Um, he was able to represent esports and represent himself extremely well, and... This is going to go on to be a defining moment in esports history as the community continues to grow, as we continue to fight for positions within the Olympics and within the sporting scene of the world. Sonic Fox has done a great job here. Yes, he is outlandish. Yes, he wears a giant bloody fox costume. But he's a fantastic role model. He's himself on that stage. I don't think anybody better could have won that award. Thank you, Sonic Fox. Now, if you've watched Early Late Nights, or if you know me at all, Overwatch is a big deal for me. Overwatch is a massive deal for me. I have the biggest love for Overwatch League and Overwatch in general. It was fantastic to see that the Overwatch League put on a almost two and a half to three hour watch point event to preview the up and coming Overwatch League Season 2. Now, this has been such a build up because... Overwatch itself has uh, come through this metamorphosis thanks to the Overwatch League. It has defined many things within esports through its ESPN deals, through its salary, and its view on supporting players. Now, to have the upcoming season be so far away, it was something like 200 and something days from the end of Season 1 with Season 2. Season 2 is going to be kicking off February 14th with a new and wide variety of players and teams coming forward. The original teams of the Overwatch League have now been joined by eight, I think it's, I believe it's eight new teams. It might be 12. No, I believe it's eight. We'll, we'll argue about that later. I can't remember off the top of my head. But what has happened is during the Watchpoint event, the Overwatch League has announced the first two days worth of matches, as well as the going through the rosters for the teams. And this was a really interesting watch. And I advise you, if, if you are a fan of Overwatch League, you go back and, and experience the watch point because it had some really insightful discussions about potential things that might happen within the Overwatch League and speculation about the teams itself. Now, if you want to know about team games, I suggest you go to the Overwatch League website as they do have the full schedule up. Um, some of my best points and my favorite points of this um, are, of course, the grand final rematch is the first match of the league for the season, which is amazing, as well as probably my pick and my, you know, 
biased personal favorite. Gladiators versus Soul Dynasty. That has got such a story wrapped around it because of the departure of Fisher at the end of Overwatch League Season 1. Um, going over to Soul Dynasty. And over and Gladiators throwing some shade at Fisher in the recent changes. Um... It's, it's been really interesting and really fun. Gladiators itself are an interesting organization with how they handle social media. Um, so to have this rivalry happen at the start of the season is fantastic and exciting. We've also got a wide range of teams with the new expansion organizations coming forward and preventing their presenting their rosters with new and former Overwatch League players making up the rosters themselves. As it went through, it's interesting to see that the the understanding or preconceived ideas that teams had for Overwatch, that fans had for Overwatch teams last season, may have been completely broken. Yes, teams like New York Excel and London Spitfire and Philadelphia Fusion still look fantastic, but with teams rounding off their rosters, such as the LA Gladiators, with the uh, Dallas Fuel making some coaching additions, as well as bringing in some really exciting talent into their lineups, it shows that teams are going to be especially interesting in the coming seasons. Now, I'm excited to see such things as the Shanghai Dragons. Can the Shanghai Dragons get their first win in Overwatch League history? Can another team go 0 and 40? Well, no, because the game, the stages will now be 26 games. Or no, the Overwatch League season is 26 games. Which is, you know, it's 14 games smaller. But they have announced the new formatting for the league with the two different divisions. Now having um, eight spots available. There are eight spots available for the playoffs for each stage that teams are playing and vying for. This is fantastic to see. We'll now get playoffs with more teams being involved and more big you know, stakes at hand. With teams being split up into different divisions, we're going to see dream matchups and rare matchups that either don't happen or haven't happened in some time. This is exciting. This is a really great format. Make sure you stay tuned at February 14th for Overwatch League for the start. It's also been hinted that even though initially it wasn't stated till 2020, there is going to be several road trips at the event for fans being able to, or teams playing in a home environment. This is what the Overwatch League has been building up with, with each team having a home city or home country almost. We're going to be having these home games. Whether they're going to be just in the US for now, or if we're going to be having some more international travel, that's yet for us to find out, but I'm excited to hear that. I can't wait for teams like Paris Eternal to play in front of their home crown. French fans are the most exciting fans from across the world, you know? They're the most singing and just the most loud fans that Overwatch League has. So to see Paris A get its own Overwatch League team, but for that team to play there, it's going to be absolutely fantastic and so exciting for us to take part in and watch as that develops and grows. Overwatch League Season 2 is going to be a fantastic event. Can't wait for it. Make sure you stay tuned to Early Late Nights because we'll give you all the latest news, all the results, as well as my viewpoints and viewings of the upcoming matches for the league when it begins February 14th. But make sure you stick around for that because there might be more news in between there. I can almost guarantee it. Now, finally, South Korea many times throughout its life has shown i can't wait for the london spitfire to play in korea god damn they 
I, I don't even argue. I've had too many arguments about Korean teams in Overwatch League, not even going there. Anyway, South Korea. Speaking of South Korea, they have once again showed how progressive and how supportive they are of esports. The esport juggernaut is further producing support for its esports and its games, unlike any other country within the world. This is coming down to laws. Now, boosting is a typical... Uh, part of esports and multiplayer games now where in competitive systems players are using their skills or higher ranked players are using their skills to carry lower ranked players up the echelon up the ladder to get them higher maybe to a point that they are not yet either skilled for or kind of going around the rules of the elo systems within the games now this has soon become a profitable market with people charging for boosting and charging for the um chance for you know experienced and professional players to carry lower ranked players through the stages this is now going to be illegal within the next six months in South Korea. People who are boosting for a profit could be looking at two years in jail or $25,000 worth of fines. Works out to be $2 million or a million dollars within the South Korean currency. This is amazing. Boosting in general has been a blight on esports and multiplayer games since their you know, conception. We've had more and more players either being uh, brought up into different ranks that they're not supposed to. I'm sure if you've played an eSport and you've got to a certain rank, you've, you've noticed people that you're like, you should not be here, or you do not deserve that rank. And you can see it happens every time. Boosted accounts are in this forever cycle because the account will get boosted, the game will then naturally bring you down because your skill level either through losing matches or your performance in games is going to bring you back down, but then players will get reboosted back up and it will be a hellish cycle and a very profitable one for some organizations. Now, it's not the greatest and it kind of nullifies some of the... Um, the benefit of that you know it nullifies some of the value in the competitive markets and it can devalue what it means to get a certain rank and so to see south korea put this in place is absolutely amazing as we've i've mentioned so many times in early late night south korea is the most supportive country of esports in the world. And to see them do something like this to support esports even further, a ruling that is banned, you know, it's it's something that in games is already not on. It's it's banned in majority of games. You can be you will be um, heavily reprimanded if you are caught boosting somebody, especially for profit. But now to have the support of a government to be able to help doing this is absolutely amazing. Um, the world can take notes from South Korea in many ways because they're fantastic when it comes and there's no wonder once again why South Korean players have such a better environment to learn and play in. Something to think about in the future and hopefully other countries can look and take the lead. Maybe not pull in laws, but you know, see how seriously South Korea views esports. Now, that brings us almost to the end of early nights for tonight. Um, there will be no show on Friday. Friday, I will be out at a works Christmas party, so I will not. No way. Not even doing a live early late nights from the pub. Not even going to do that. That's a...
No, definitely not. That sounds like a ridiculous... Sounds like a ridiculous idea. I'm dogging the viewers for them Alchemy Holes and Christmas cheer. I'm not, I'm not streaming from the pub. That's ridiculous. No way. I'm good, thank you. But... This is the second last episode for 2018 of Early Late Nights then. Next week is the end of year episode of Early Late Nights next Tuesday. There is going to be an hour long episode starting at 7pm on the Tuesday going right through to 8pm when we're going to be looking back at some of the best moments in, Over in Overwatch. In esports we're going to be um, looking at some of the best plays as well as going over the news for the week um, and giving a bit of a wrap up for a early late nights for 2019. So please make sure you join us 7pm on the Tuesday. Um, join in in chat. Maybe I'll have some giveaways or something to do for the episode which could be a lot of fun. Could be, could be very interesting. Who knows? Anyway, thank you very much for joining us for this episode of Early Late Nights. Episode 69. That's right. The big 6-9. Not 619, because that's Boyaka Boyaka Rey Mysterio. Episode 69. Alright. Thank you very much for joining me. This has been Early Late Nights. We come to you live every Tuesday and Friday. Tuesday, normally at 6.30pm Australian Eastern Daylight Time to bring you the latest esports, news, gossip, and impressions from around the world live right here on twitch.tv slash explosion network if you can't make it live to the show to interact with me to yell at me through chat you can catch the show 24 hours later 7 p.m wednesday 7 p.m saturday for the video on demand or audio podcast of the show either go to explosionnetwork.com youtube.com slash explosion network or any good podcasting services to download the episode Thank you very much for joining me. Once again, it's been a fantastic episode, a fantastic week of esports, and I can't wait to see what is happening to wrap up the year. I'll see you next Tuesday. I hope you have a good week. Remember, don't be toxic. Play well. At the end of each game, try and remember to say GG. Thank you very much.